the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. How do we treat each other inside the body of Christ? Well, we will sort all of that out throughout the week here on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. Join us. Inside the body of Christ, we all have our bits and our parts. Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians, doesn't he? Well, here in 1 Timothy chapter 5, he deals with each and every one of us as to how we are to be treated. And as the title of today's broadcast suggests, we are not to treat everyone in the church the same. Welcome to Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Join us as we continue our journey through 1 Timothy, chapter 5, verses 17 through 25. Here's Pastor Gary. Here in the 21st century, we still need the directions given to us in the fifth chapter of 1 Timothy. We have in 1 Timothy the older Apostle Paul teaching the younger pastor Timothy how to organize a church. Thus far, he's been pretty general in terms of the church's worship, uh, the church's government, the church's mission, and he's going to be specific now on how people in the church are to relate to one another. And everyone is not to be treated the same. You have older men who are to be treated one way, Young men to be treated another way. Older women to be treated one way. Younger women to be treated in another. Older widows to be treated in one way. Younger widows to be treated another way. And then later in the chapter, Paul talks about how to treat ruling elders and how to treat preaching elders. So this egalitarianism people push on us today that says... Everyone is equal. Everyone should be treated the same is a complete myth. For instance, notice what it says in verses 1 through through 3. Do not sharply rebuke an older man, but rather appeal to him as to a father. To younger men, appeal to them as brothers. The older women as mothers and the younger women as sisters in all purity. Honor widows who are real widows. That actually is what widows indeed means, real widows. Let me explain to you what a widow is before we go any further. In Roman culture and in most of the ancient world, a widow had it quite rough. The word widow comes from the word deprived, destitute. If a woman's husband died, she was left on her own to make it, and particularly if she had no children or grandchildren. She would just be a homeless person on the street, most likely dying of exposure. 
It was a terrible thing to be a widow in the Roman Empire. I think in this chapter, since widow means deprived or destitute, that we can think of a widow as someone who has been deprived of her husband and deprived of someone to support her and to love her. So if not only, it not only includes widows where husbands have died, but it also includes women whose husbands have left them and whose husbands have abused them and whose husbands have been sinning against them, so they have been deprived of husbands. So let me ask you a question before we look at all of this. It says, treat older women as older men as fathers. Honor widows who are real widows. Now, what is Paul telling these people to do? Is Paul simply saying you need to be nice to one another or polite to one another? No, he is saying, obey the law of God found in the Old Testament. Because you see, it's amazing how much the Old Testament has to say about how you are to respect older people than you and how you are to respect widows. Let me read to you Leviticus 19, verse 32. You shall rise up before the gray-headed and honor the aged. And you shall revere your God, I am the Lord. The amount of verses dealing with this subject in the Old Testament would, I'm sure, surprise you. Stand up for the older people. That's what it says. Honor older people. I get a little perturbed when I go into a restaurant with Krista and say a 20-something-year-old waiter comes up to us us who are now 69, me soon, 70, and they ask, what do you guys want? It is as if this young person is equal to a 69-year-old, which in the Bible, beloved, they are not. I can understand they're trying to be friendly, but do you know where the word you guys comes from? When I tell you where you guys come from, you'll probably be a lot more hesitant to use you guys. Back in the early 1600s, during the reign of James I of England, that miserable pervert and tyrant, there was a man named Guy Fawkes, F-A-W-K-E-S. They even have a Guy Fawkes Day in England to this day. Because what Guy Fawkes did, a Roman Catholic who hated Protestants and especially the Puritans, decided he was going to blow up the Parliament building with all the parliamentarians in there, most of whom were Puritans. Well, he was caught before he was able to carry out his plans. And they found box after box of explosives and they were confiscated. So guys comes from Guy Fox, who was an attempted murderer and anarchist. So you guys, be careful how you use the word, you guys. So what it says is treat older people with respect and honor and dignity. Now, why does God make such a big deal of this? It is because it has more to do than just respecting old people 
or older people than you. It has a lot more to do with it than that. It has to do with respecting and building on the heritage, the culture, the civilization that preceded you. It has to do with history. Rise up for the gray-headed person. Respect the older women. If you're going to criticize an older man, criticize him like you would your father, very gently, if ever. If you're going to criticize your mother, do it with the utmost honor and respect. And don't do it unless it is necessary. What Paul is saying is, respect your history, Israel. Christians, respect that basis upon which your country was built. It wasn't built upon a a Muslim foundation or, or Buddhism or Hinduism. It wasn't built on a humanist foundation at all. It wasn't even built on a generally Christian foundation in this country. The United States was built on a distinctly Protestant Christian foundation. Now respect that. Love the foundation upon which this nation was built. Honor it, beloved. Don't neglect it. Defend it. Don't turn your back on it. Now, what does that mean? That means you need to know something about your history. You have to know something about your fathers and your grandfathers and your great-grandfathers and on back, and also about your fathers in the faith. Let me ask you. What do you know about your grandfather? Do you know where he was born? Do you know when he was born? Do you know who his parents were? Do you know what he did for a living? Do you know whether he was a Christian or not? Tell me what you know about your great-granddaddy. What was his name? Did he fight in any of our wars? It is amazing to me how little I know about my literal physical ancestors, and yet I am called to honor their history. What do you know about the history of the United States and of California and of Western culture? Do you know enough about them to honor them and to rise up and respect for them and to teach your children about them? Most of us are just so ignorant about them. That's why the Old Testament is so strong in saying, stand up for the gray-headed person. Stand up for the elderly. When you're in the presence of an older person, you young adults and children, you are sinning if you don't stand up when they enter the room. The Bible says, rise up before the gray-haired Do you stand up when your mother comes into the room? I'm ashamed I did not respect my parents or my grandparents until I became a Christian. And even then, not as I should have. You young people, don't let that happen to you. Or trust me, you will later regret it. You know, in the South, young adults and children address their elders with, yes, sir, And yes, ma'am. And that's the Southern's way of obeying the law of God to rise up before the gray-haired. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Yes, sir. 
No, sir. Teach your children from their earliest days this kind of respect. Teach them to honor you and your history, your family, the Christian culture out of which you came. And the point is, rise up before the gray-haired and teach your children to do that as well. And if there ever comes a time when an older man is sinning and you can no longer bear it and it could have serious repercussions, if you have to rebuke him and you are a younger person, do it very, very tenderly and sensitively as if he were your father. Now, that says that older men and elderly women may not be excused from their sins. You see, you can't say, well, that's just because they're old. Well, it doesn't matter how old someone is. They are still accountable before God for the way they live their lives. So how do you treat an older man when he sins? When you have to rebuke him, don't do it sharply. Do it very humbly because you are rebuking your superior but rather appeal to him as a father. And if you see younger men your age or thereabout sinning, rebuke them as your equals as you do your brother. And after all, we're a family. We are a family in Christ. So if you see someone around your age sinning, don't just let it go. Don't just say, well... I I hope they don't have any consequences in their life and then just neglect them. You have the responsibility to help him or her with their sin. And the church elders aren't the first people that you call upon to help. You yourself go to that person and you say to your equal as you would say to a dearly beloved brother or sister, there's something in your life I need to talk to you about. And then you do it carefully. And don't do it in a condescending way because that person is your equal. And if, God forbid, you ever have to rebuke an older woman, rebuke her as you would your mother. Have you ever dared to rebuke your mother? Well, here it says, if you ever have to rebuke a woman that is older than you, they're sinning. You see that they're sinning and you just can't let it go. You can't cover it up. You can't let love cover a multitude of sins at that point. If you have to say something to her, say it very humbly and submissively and lovingly. And do you ever have to rebuke a younger woman? Now understand Paul's talking particularly to the preacher here, Timothy. But it appeals actually to everyone. And he says to Timothy, if you ever have to rebuke a younger woman, rebuke her as a sister, sweetly and lovingly and tenderly. And then he says, in all purity. Do you know why we read about so many celebrity preachers biting the dust over some adulterous affair? It is because they have disregarded the word purity. And these young women become attached to these pastors emotionally. And then the preachers are not careful. 
They don't guard themselves. And then they give in. And they end up falling by the wayside. And they did so because they were tempted and forgot the law of God. When you have to rebuke or counsel a young woman, and you are a man, do it in all purity. Make sure no one can criticize you. Make sure there's nothing suspicious about your actions. And keep in mind, purity also means in godliness and holiness. Then it says in verse 3, Honor widows who are real widows, women that are destitute. They don't have a husband. They don't have any family to depend upon. They're on their own. They're not able to make it on their own. Honor them. Make sure they are cared for. In fact, if need be, you take care of them. Don't let them die of exposure. Let's look at another verse. We'll look at Exodus 22. And bear in mind, this is the word of God. And you're going to see why I'm going to remind you of that when I read it. This is not the word of man. This is not the word of someone in some primitive, agrarian, violent culture. This is the word of the living God. Exodus twenty-two, twenty-two. You shall not afflict any widow or orphan. If you afflict them at all, and if he does or she does cry out to me, I will surely hear his cry, and my anger will be kindled, and I will kill you with a sword, and your wife shall become widows, and your children fatherless. I would love to read this verse to the husband of three Christian women that I've been counseling. These women have been emotionally abused, they've been mistreated, and they've been neglected by their husbands, and are facing problems in life they thought they would never have to face. These three husbands, two of them now exes, are flying in the face of Exodus 22. And God says to them right this moment in their conscience, if you continue to mistreat this woman who is deprived of you, I will kill you. And your wife will be a widow. And your children will be fatherless. You see how much God respects, reveres, and loves godly widows? You mess with them, and he's likely to kill you. Psalm 68, verses 5 and 6. A father of the fatherless and a judge for widows is God in his holy habitation. God makes a home for the lonely. He leads out the prisoners into prosperity. Only the rebellious dwell in a parched land. God is the judge for the benefit of the widows who are being deprived of life and comfort and necessities of life, either because... Their husband has died, or the husband has abandoned her. Verse 3 again. Honor wives who are real widows, because God does. But now here you're going to see how Paul saw the relationship between the church and the family. He says, but if any widow deprived of a husband has children or grandchildren, let them first learn how to practice piety in regard to their own family and to make some return to their parents, for this is acceptable 
in the sight of God. Paul is saying, if there are, if there are some of you in the church who are widows because your husband has died or he's left you, and you have children or grandchildren, turn to them for help. Before you turn to the church for aid and support and never, never, never turn to the state. You see, nowhere in the Bible ever does it say, widows, if you're having a hard time, go to the state government or go to the federal government because then it will take care of you. If you go to the civil government for financial support, beloved, with shekels come shekels. You will become a slave to the civil government. God says the purpose of the civil government is not to take care of widows and orphans, but it is to punish the bad guys for the protection of the good guys. It goes on, but if any widow has children or grandchildren, someone to support them, go to your children and grandchildren first and seek out their assistance in any way you need assistance because there are things they need to learn. They need to learn to practice piety. They need to learn how to step up and do their duty and respect to their own families. They need to learn how to bring some kind of recompense to their parents for all of their sacrifice and efforts and investments that their parents have put into their life. So those of you who are children and grandchildren and you have parents or grandparents who are in serious need, don't just simply turn them over to the state or put them in a retirement home and just forget about them there and let them die. Realize what all they have done for you throughout your life and remember how they, I hope, gladly sacrifice to make sure you were taken care of and teach your children that from their earliest years when they're little children you say to them are you going to take care of your mommy when she gets old so that it comes just part of who they are of course mommy for all the things that you've done for me so when you have to throw yourself on the mercy of your children and grandchildren don't feel guilty about it you see, they'll learn a great deal about life while they support you. They'll learn a great deal about practicing piety in their own family. They will learn a great deal about what it means to show gratitude. And what is even more important, children and grandchildren taking care of their destitute mothers and grandmothers is acceptable, it says, in the sight of God. And if they are Christians, that's really all they need to know. Verse 5, now she who is a real widow and who has been left alone has fixed her hope on God and continues in entreaties and prayers night and day. This obviously is a godly woman. She never expected to be in the situation that she is in. She does not just throw up her hands in despair. Oh, her husband is gone. She has no children or grandchildren. But she is absolutely confident that God will be faithful to everything that he has promised her. He'll not let one of his promises fall to the ground unfulfilled. So even though she may not know how in the world this or that will be solved in her life, 
that she doesn't that doesn't throw her for a loop that doesn't drive her into desperation because she has fixed her hope on God and that'll bring us to the end of our time today here on abounding grace with our teacher and pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose thank you for joining us today it's our hope and prayer that we've been able to encourage you in Christ and stimulate your walk in him to address questions, comments, prayer requests, or concerns, please call or write to us. We'd love to talk with you. 408-866-5607 is our phone number, 408-866-5607. You're also welcome to visit our website. Drop us an email when you do, reformedheritage.org. Real simple, reformedheritage.org. A lot of information there about who we are. We would invite you again to stop by, reformedheritage.org. Dot org. Or if you're writing to us, the address is PMB, Post Mailbox, 402, and the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, 95032. That address can be found on our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, simply call 408-866-5607. Copies of today's program are just $5. Mention today's date and we'll get a CD out to you. And please remember that we are listener supported, which means when you link arms with us financially, we're able to continue the ministry here on this station. It's a great way to study God's Word together, isn't it? And we'd love to continue to do so. Would you prayerfully consider how God might be leading you to partner with us? We'd love to hear from you. Again, won't you call 408-866-5607 or reformedheritage.org. Sunday services, by the way, if you'd like to join us, are two in the afternoon. We're located at Lone Hill Church, 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org. Again, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. Further information can be found, again, at reformedheritage.org or by calling 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, God bless. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.